So you wanna know how to fix your tendinopathy, well, or specifically your knee tendinopathy or knee pain. Well, in this episode, we are gonna go deeper into this discussion that we're talking about this whole week. This is Phil's Jam. And uh, we're gonna be going into a little bit more specifically about the exercises that you should be doing to fix your tendinopathy. All that and more coming up. Hey everyone, in case we haven't met, my name is Rad Burmeister. I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym and co-creators of the UMS, the Unified Movement System, where we take driven people and turn them into superhumans. And the reason why we get such amazing results with our members is that we've created a program that has a perfect balance between strength and flexibility. If you want to know how we do that, there's a couple of cool free resources that you can download. Uh, the Strength Blueprint, the Flexibility Blueprint, and the Nutrition Blueprint. It's a lot of blueprints. Uh, there's a link in the description for all of them. Uh, you can uh, grab your copy now now for free. Phil, how you doing? Very well. Uh, yep, love this topic. Other people might not, but get, really gets me going. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just had a, just come out of a patient who have just been talking about it. So I'm mm. fresh, ready to go. This keen to share all this information with as many people as can get it. Yeah, it's funny. Injury management is not what, you know, um, I guess many people want to be dealing with. You know, everybody wants to learn how to do the splits and, um, you know, press the handstands and things like that. And rest assured, we're going to be getting back to that stuff for you guys next week. Um, but, you know, we've got this, we've had this amazing opportunity where Phil's come and joined our team recently and, and he is just a wealth of knowledge that we don't have. Um, so we wanted to pick his brain and really get him to answer some stuff that we were, we were really speculating on before, you know, and now we're getting the, uh, you know, a, a really educated opinion here. So, yeah. And it's been really nice. I've had some emails from people who do watch the show uh, sort of saying how much the information I've given has helped them. So it makes me really uh, happy to know that some people are getting um, a lot out of it. And, and it does feel a bit funny coming from a an appointment with someone just then where well, you're I charge them a significant amount of you know money to give exactly the same information as I am giving here now for free. So I do hope that everyone does find it valuable. And um, yeah, let me know if in the comments if you have had tendinopathy and, and where and if you've managed to get through it because I'd be yeah keen to kind of work through it with people and, and help them. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are we uh, what are we talking about today, Phil? This uh, is, um, well, this we is kind of jam. did the uh, introduction into what tendinopathy is yesterday, so that kind of. So we're not going to go through that again today, everyone. If you need to know the real basics about what tendinopathy is, what a tendon is, how it relates to muscles, bones, where the pain is, that's yesterday's show. So we, we, so, we yeah. won't recap. So that was a real today. like intro yesterday, and there there will be bits that are important for why you do certain exercises. But today is more about um, the plan, so how you actually. Um, start doing things with your um, with your knee in this case to um, yeah get it back to, to training because as we talked about yesterday with um, rehabbing tendinopathy it's all about uh, building up that load tolerance so it, it involves training if you just rest and you just think it will go away on its own you're in for a sad time when you get back to doing exercises because not only yes. will the tendinopathy not be like it won't the pain will likely still be there but now you've also um, kind of deloaded all the structures around it and therefore yeah you'll be weaker in those structures as well so it's so I can key testify to that yeah exactly it's so key with um and it's what i think it's one of the best things that you do right is just how consistent you are with the training even if you've got an injury you're always working on something else around it you're finding ways you can use that body part in a way that you know will keep it strong and um you have yeah, to it, you have to it's mm -hmm. not just it's uh it, like i've learned for myself I'm I'm a pretty extreme person, and if I'm fact. not doing one thing, <laughs> if I'm <laughs> fact, if I'm not doing one thing to the extreme, I'll be doing something else. And I've just found that 
personally in my life, if exercise isn't there as a big part, you know, I'll start doing something that's a little more self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so maybe you're not, maybe you can't relate to that. Maybe you're not as extreme a person as me, but in my experience, I've found when I speak to people, most people are like this. Most people really, they go right into something and, and a lot of the time it can be right into um, watching Netflix and eating Twinkies and um, yeah. things like that, even though Absolutely. we don't sell Twinkies in Australia. Um, <laughs> they find a way. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. Yeah. So let's let's get back on topic. So yeah, yesterday so, we talked about tendonitis, uh, tendinopathy. Yeah, yeah, look good. at that, look at that. Tendinopathy, we talked about what it is. We talked about what kind of symptoms you'd be feeling in your knee. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about what you should do if you think you've got it, which is, of course, go and see someone, get it diagnosed properly. So you've got it, you've been told. Uh, what do we do? Is it time to amputate? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely one way of getting, like you get rid of the tendinopathy, which is the only way that you'll actually get rid of the... Um, Just get the, rid of the tendon. Yeah, the Done. Few, like once you've the got whole these limb. changes in your tendon, it's very unlikely that you'll have this, you know, if you imaged it again, even if down the line you've done all your rehab and you've done a perfect um, amount of, you know, training to be pain-free and be performing better than you've ever performed before, if you were to scan it and use like you did an, uh, an ultrasound or you did an MRI or something you, and you saw the tendon, like it would still have the pathological changes that um, I guess a hallmark of tendinopathy. So yeah, cutting it off might be the best option if you really, really did want to <laughs> completely get rid of it. Um, but that's a really important point to understand is that when we're um, going through this, some people, like a lot of people do kind of jump to imaging as a way of, um, you know, sort of seeing if they're better. And in this case, it's not something that you can use to test if you, you know, uh, better. It's all about how you function. It's all about how you feel. So that's a really key thing to understand. Um, I did just want to make one more point on that with resting not being the right answer. One of the most common ways that um, people end up getting tendinopathies in the, um, not only the knee, but everywhere in the body is that if you have had a significant injury, maybe like a, um, an ACL is a really good example where it's really changed your training load for a year and maybe you've, you know, So that's done, the anterior cruciate ligament. Yeah, it's uh, the one the that usually the ends, front of the knee. it's the career ender for a lot of, um, uh, you know, professional sports players, less so now, but certainly a really big one where it, it often takes about a year of rehab. Um, so you can imagine if you've been at that level where you're training really hard, you're really consistent with your training and you're, you're getting stronger and faster and all these things, and then you have this really bad injury to your right leg, for example, um, and then you spend the next year sort of totally deloading. You're no longer doing that regular training. You're no longer doing your preseason. You're not doing the weekly strengthening because now you're off your feet. So you can imagine that when you get back to playing, if you just rehab that right leg that you originally injured with the ACL, um, your left leg now, its capacity is really shrunk down. Mm-hmm. So that if you go back thinking, hey, my left leg's my good leg. Yeah. This is, everything's going to be just fine yeah. with my left leg. If you start training as hard as you used to train and you've been training up this right leg to be this, you know, monster sort of rehab ACL um, right knee, then your left leg, if you haven't kind of got its capacity back up to where it needs to be, then that's a classic time when you get um, tailor tendon off the, or, you know, yeah. it could happen in any part of the body. It's that big changes in, in going from having like a really intense load in it dropping back and then getting back into things too quickly that really sets it off. So that's just a really key point that I wanted to um, get across early on because that's one of the most common times you see these injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So f- now for um, going forward, what to do about it for, for the knee. Um, it's actually, I brought a prop. Oh, look at this. First time on the show that we've got a prop. We've Very excited props. about this. So this is going to be really important in um, in. Uh, the, one of the exercise demonstrations, but basically... So this um, is an elbow, right? We're looking at here. <laughs> yeah, like that. It could kind of work. 
Um, but yeah, I just thought it'd be a good time to um, point out exactly the structure we're talking about. If it hasn't been obvious, um, this is the knee. So you've got your kneecap in here, you've got the ligaments either side, there's some you know, cartilage in there, the meniscus. So that's the but, right knee, right? Um, yep, so the fibula, so this little bone is on the outside of your leg, so that is your right knee. Well done, Rad. Um, so this is the, 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 big bucks for nothing, the tendon so. we're talking about. <laughs> you can see how the, the, um, the patella sort of sits within there, and then you've got this uh, this tendon that, that that's the one we're talking about. Cool. So, uh, so it runs over the kneecap. Uh, well, not. Mm, so it, just, it sort of really thin, thins out. This looks yeah, really okay. sorry. Yeah. The mic uh, is really thick there, yeah, yeah. but yeah, sort of just think about it attaching from the bottom of the patella there, yeah, going okay. down into yeah. the top of your shin bone there without the screw. Cool. Um, cool. So with exercises, what we want to be doing with our um, exercises, there's a big. There's always kind of big arguments in the tendinopathy space about um, whether. Isometrics are the best for um, tendon pain, or if um, slow eccentrics is the best for tendon tendon issues. Um, or now there's kind of the shift towards heavy slow resistance. So there's kind of like there's I don't know it's it's a space where there's lots of contention about um, what is the like be all and end all of of, of rehab. So I, m I imagine you would have kind of come across different sort of things over the years? With, with I have, for sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that I've come across. One of the things that uh, I was told by uh, a friend who's got a lot of skin in the game but who isn't a physiotherapist, and I'm not going to name anybody because I don't want yeah. anybody to be put on the chopping block, um, but was the idea of just trying to trying to increase blood flow to the to the tendons by, um, you know, I showed you those wrap, those wraps that I used. And yeah. you told me that recently there was something that you saw uh, that was yeah, being so used by physiotherapists or something yep, to do that. Yep, so blood flow restriction training is... Yeah. is um, Yep, is a is a thing. It's a watch this space, like a kind yeah, of a new less thing for, less relevant for in tendinopathy though. Really? It, yeah, because oh. the whole thing about blood flow resistance training, um, it, like it's um, restriction training, is that you're able to get a like, you it's it's an increased metabolic demand because you've got less blood flow, so the kind of it will have to work harder for a lower load. Mm -hmm. And with tendinopathy rehab, it is all about load. Mm -hmm. Like we want high load because that is what stimulates the growth of the mm -hmm. tendons mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. um, collagen fibers to realign in the right sort of way. So yeah. when you're doing something that's actively deloading that tendon, um, yeah, deloading that tendon, mm -hmm. um, that is then reducing that capacity of the actual tendon and you're making the, you may make the muscles stronger and mm -hmm. have more strength potential in your muscles, but if you've got a stronger muscle and a weaker tendon, yeah, yeah, then that's yeah. not yeah. ideal. So, yeah. um, so definitely well, for other injuries, blood flow restriction training has been uh, shown to be quite a useful tool, mm -hmm. um, but for tendonopathy, it's not the way to go. Yep. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I've definitely gone through the you know eccentrics are the are the are the best and, yeah. and isometrics are the best. But I remember the last time that I spoke to you, at least for um, the what I took away from it was that uh, a good place to start is with isometrics, and then you can move to concentrics, and then eventually eccentrics, and that. That made sense to me because in the literature that I've read around strength development and muscle development, um, you know, they talk about that the majority of the damage to the muscle fibers is done during the eccentric phase. Um, so that made sense. But uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I get the feeling you're going to turn that all on its head. In a, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, that my, my face just contorting me like, oh. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I think that's like often a place, that's often a kind of path that people take where yeah. you go that kind of isometric into concentric and then eventually into eccentrics. And, you know, that might work perfectly fine. And mm -hmm. so that's the big thing about this. No one knows what is the best thing. 
Okay, so let's just like get it out there. Like if anyone sort of says like, this is <laughs> the only way to do it, that's just not true. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things where that's a bit uncomfortable as a health professional where you want to be like mm. really sure about, hey, you know, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is, you know, it's, it's a much better selling point to be able to say, this is exactly how you do things. Yeah. But I think there's also a lot of freedom in the fact that there's many different ways to do it. Mm. And like the big under overlying principle is that it's all about getting that load right. It's all about, and the other thing is with tendinopathy, it's all about heading towards that goal that you're after. So um, if it's for someone who, you know, just is frustrated with getting knee pain when they're like, uh, that maybe they're quite old and deconditioned and even like standing up um, and sitting down or climbing stairs is a real problem for them, then their kind of, um, you know, strength journey will be different to someone who needs to get back into explosive sort of training. Mm -hmm. And the other big variable is like how aggravated they are at the beginning. If it's someone who only really feels it in that kind of real high load stuff, so like a, <coughs> someone who's doing, you know, acrobatic flips and it's when mm -hmm. they're, they're really jumping that they're feeling it, then you might be able to start them out in some, you know, like pretty solid strength training and then and then develop from there. You don't, maybe won't need to take them back to yeah. this less relevant isometric training. So the theme that I see in our audience is that the majority of our audience are in more of that high end, high achieving uh, kind of population. Yeah, absolutely. So I like when I think about the people that are commenting on our videos, there's a, they, we, we have some martial artists, we've got a lot of people that do weightlifting yeah. and people that do calisthenics. So they're definitely people that are asking a lot about their body. Yeah. So how, what do you, is there, is there a, a, I guess a general way that you can approach um, the rehab of tendinopathy in the knee for that kind of a population? Yeah, I mean, and that's where I think that, you know, maybe starting with isometrics may just be a bit boring for people. And yeah. I think that's a big part of training is keeping it exciting and keeping it like engaging and interesting. And, and often people really hate isometrics and I so, agree. So in that <laughs> early phase, because I've seen this and I've seen it with Richard in this early phase when, you know, Richard was really scratching his head, not knowing what he should do. And he was getting to this point where he couldn't even squat with like 40 kilos and it was mm -hmm. it, without causing him pain. Um, where would you start? Yeah, so that's one thing with with tendinopathy, you want to find exercise where you can load the tendon um, in a <coughs> way that is, um, I guess, producing some amount of pain because it's in, in this thing, uh, in, in this type of rehab, it's kind of important to load to a point where you, if you just kind of use pain as your, your guide, just like we were talking about in um, pain, the pain science talks last week, is if you let it sort of be the barrier, you'll decondition and you won't kind of break past mm -hmm. that point. So we kind of need to be working to a point where there is a tolerable pain. Now, some people kind of throw around that two to three out of 10. Um, some people say sort of more, some people say less, but again, it comes down to what's really tolerable for you. You don't want to mm -hmm. be Grimacing through it, but you want to be like, okay, I'm actually, you I'm, I'm sort it, of yeah. feeling it here. And are you talking about range of motion or load? So talking I'm talking about, about load in this case, and this is a really... So the amount of weight that you'd be lifting. So if we're talking about the example of a squat, we're talking about the amount of weight that you're going to load up on the barbell. That's yes. what we're referring to. And so to. Okay. with tendinopathy, if you remember from yesterday, the two things that really set tendinopathy off is when you're using the tendon like a spring, so that um, store energy storage and release. So mm -hmm. in this case, that might be sort of a jumping movement for your knee mm -hmm. um, where you're yeah, using that tendon as a spring. The other thing it really can get aggravated by is compression. So compression, if, if you, you know... It might just be if you're you're pushing into there lots, but you know there's not generally things that will, <laughs> unless you like really kick your yeah. knee against yeah. a uh, coffee table and you could really uh, piss it off. But one thing is if you're going into very um, you know deep knee bend, then the compression happens by 
pushing that tendon into that bone. Yep. Now your body can handle that and you've got uh, structures under there that help it out. So um, you might have heard of like bursa before, which bursas are basically like a little fluid pillow that sits mm -hmm. underneath um, different structures in your body to kind of give it a bit of a barrier between the, um, uh, between the bone and that structure. Um, but yeah, when you're going into these deep sort of positions, that's often kind of pressing up against the bursa and, and sometimes pressing up against the bone, which can be really aggravating for the tendon. So um, there's ways in which you can kind of alter that compression. So mm -hmm. instead of maybe going down into um, the deep bodyweight squats that um, we love to do in this gym, it might be a, a, a time for doing uh, squats where your shins are much more at sort of parallel um, and then going to say 90 degrees and then getting heavy in that range. So you can see that you're really loading up that, um, that structure without going into that deep knee bend, which is quite compressive on the tendon. Right, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, so that's a really key thing to understand that working within that, that range where you're not providing that compression um, is a great way to build up that tolerance, yeah? And then over time, as with all things like progressive overload, we can get heavier, but then we can also increase the range. And as your um, tendon becomes more tolerant to compression, that's when you start to challenge a bit more. But if you go from being like, you know, 90 degrees, 90 degrees, and then you're like, hey, I'm fixed, I'm cured. Mm. And then you start doing like, you know, heavy weightlifting astrograss um, squats, then you might find that that's like a too big a change. So with the body, it's all about those gradual change, getting used to the idea. And you know, I think, uh, I kind of feel like I, I want to um, give a little bit of a, an insight into, you know, my recent rehab with my, um, uh, you know, the MRI report said a slap tear, uh, torn supraspinatus and fluid in the bursa among some other rubbish that goes on in everyone's joints. Um, and, you know, Phil really just instilled this idea with me that it's not the idea of stopping everything that you love, doing dicky rehab exercises, and then one day magically just going back to everything that you love. And that really turned what I thought I knew about rehab on its head. It, it really did. So what I did was I went back and regressed everything to a very, very, very light load and understood the, um, the concepts of where my joint would be in a compromised position and very gradually working towards that compromised position, you know, gradually increasing load and using, you know, pain as this indicator of if I've gone too far. And I, I, I did honestly, out of my whole life, I did the best progressive overloaded year of training that I've ever done because I've never done that before. I've always just trained in this way of where I do the best that I can do. And if yeah. I can't do it, then I just won't train for And you have your and rehab exercises, then you have your fun exercises. And yep. then you go from like doing your rehab exercises I'm doing inverted commas for all the podcast yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, you sort of tick that off, and then you're like, oh, well, that's me done with that. Now let's go back to the fun stuff. Yeah. Whereas that's, and that's what really failed for me as a patient of physios over the years is like, I would just get so disenfranchised by like doing the rehab exercise that I just, you know, tap out. And yep. like, <laughs> you just wouldn't want to do it. Yep. And then for those who were like strong willed enough to kind of get all that way there, then going back into the, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the, you know, sport relevant or your interest relevant exercises is often just such a big shift that you end up getting, yep. you know, it's problems again. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with me. I, whenever I've been given rehab exercises, I'm like, oh my God, really? Is that what I have to do? And by following your guidance and putting together my own program with my own knowledge, I, w I created a, a program that was very, very successful for me. And I think, you know, relating it to this, it's the same, uh, what you're saying is, is something that I really want to drive home to our audience is that, um, it, yeah, it's about this load management. So what Phil was just talking about there, it's not about going, oh, I can't squat. 
um, you know, once you've had your diagnosis, it's about, you know, managing that load, managing that range of motion, um, working through that uh, very low level of pain yeah. and then increasing bit by bit by bit. But, yeah. but it's this motion is lotion, motion yeah, is lotion. Yeah, it is not just rest and don't do anything. Yeah, you know? 100%. Uh, David Richardson has just said, awesome, I've had jumper's knee for a couple of months. This is helpful stuff. Thanks, David. Appreciate you. Yeah, that's um, really good. And I can see we've got, a, we've got a, a lot of viewers watching right now. Um, please hit that like button and uh, leave a comment with your yeah. name and where you're watching and from. And let us know if you've had um, patella tendonitis, if you've had um, knee. Yeah, and I think just something that you got to there is, and um, you know, Richard sort of found it really helpful for <coughs> He's had uh, jumper's knee, so this is what teletendinopathy is often called. Um, but I'm really hoping that, that what I'm getting across is that there's certain principles that apply to every part of the body, and we'll be going into more specifics of how to use this um, same understanding for, you know, we can do shoulders if people are interested in, and elbows and, and, and um, hamstrings and ankles, like all these areas that have really um, common tendinopathy. But hopefully you can see that it's these, if you understand those core principles of, um, like, avoiding the compression and the stretch shorten um, energy storage and release spring-like movements um, and getting into that correct load management, then like all of what I'm talking about now is super applicable to all of those other all those other injuries. So yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> um, so th did you say there was one exercise that you wanted yeah. to explain before we finish? Yeah, I think so. So um, what, with... Um, in terms of exercises that you can do for yourself going forward, if you're looking at like <coughs> evidence-based exercises, one thing that they usually use is a leg extension, and we have zero leg extension machines in this gym. I think it's generally not a great functional exercise, but it's a very, um, it's quite good for these um, injuries where you just need to, if you're trying to put together a really structured continuing overload exercise, that with an exercise um, machine you can just like put on weight very kind of, you know, uh, like bit by bit and you can really control those things and um, it's very sort of, you know, directed just at that patella. But I don't think, like, for me, I, that's not something, even if we did have that machine that I'd necessarily be getting people to do because, yeah. again, I think they're mm. bloody boring. Yeah. Um, but if you're into bodybuilding and you like them or that's just, or if you just want to kind of go through the motions and certainly using a, um, a knee extension machine, go ahead, I guess. Mm. But there's a really good alternative is if, if you don't have... Um, if you don't have a machine, and that's called the um, Spanish squat, and that's also one that, that's been looked at in the research for like um, yeah efficacy and patella tendinopathy. So with the Spanish squat, it's the if you look at the thumbnail for this video, there's a picture of um, Rich who's behind the camera, who's uh, got patella tendinopathy. So I was, I was pretty keen to <laughs> show him how it's done. Um, and basically, you're going into that sort of um, uh, squat position, except. I got, I got props, guys. I got props. Yeah. <laughs> so with the, you set up a band against a pole in front of you or anything that's sturdy enough that if you put some weight into it, it's not going to fall on you. Um, and you set it up so the band is just below your knee here, okay? So, so you have just below the knee. And that means you can, and then you kind of step back until you have a bit of tension on that band. So the band's going to be going yep, like going this. Yeah, like that. And so now what you can imagine is as we're standing here for those podcast listeners, we've got the band just below the knee. Um, now the tibia and the fibula, so the, the um, bones below your knee, are getting sort of pulled forward, yeah? So there's kind of a shifting happening where your, um, you know, your thigh's kind of got no pre extra pressure on it, but your tibia has. Now as you go down to that squat, what's happening is that's just providing a little bit more clearance so that when you're going into that um, squat position that there's less compression of the 
joint up against, um, of the tendon, sorry, up against the joint. So you can imagine if my knee was further forward like that, then it would be quicker for um, the compression to happen. Whereas if we get that little bit of gapping, we can get um, a sort of less compressive um, squat happening. So mm -hmm. that's a really nice way of, um, if you're finding that squats are really aggravating and getting down to 90 degrees with your shin angle straight up is, is still kind of causing like a not tolerable amount of pain, then you can do that. And even it's worth trying just as a, a way if you've really got a reactive tendon that's really angry, that's a good one to kind of get into to start. And again, you can start with sort of um, isometrics if you really want. Again, it's sort of a bit mm -hmm. of a, you know, maybe work with someone on, on where it's appropriate to start with you. Um, and then you, it's a nice one as well because you can you can do the heavy, slow resistance. So you can, um, you know, it's really key. Don't do this fast. It, mm -hmm. It's, it's going to aggravate you if you go too fast, um, likely aggravate you. Um, and you can play around with either, you know, slow eccentrics or you can do concentrics. It's kind of, again, there's no 100% right way of doing it, but think about those progressive overload. Maybe start with isometrics, go into the heavy, slow resistance concentrics, and then, you know, you can even slow it down again more on those isometrics metrics now it's good as well because you can uh, start to progressively overload this stuff by doing goblet squats so using a kettlebell i got a little mini one here just to demonstrate um so <laughs> with the goblet squat it's just holding on to um each sort of side of the um the, the handle of the kettlebell and going down and if you're in a gym which has a good kettlebell um sort of selection then you can you know go up by sort of two kilos or whatever each time and that way you, just as we've talked about is so important to yeah Get, make it harder, make it stronger, and then over time you'll yeah, be able to get back to doing what you love doing. And then with every other exercise, you can play, apply those same principles of um, trying to avoid compression, avoid that speed, progressively overload, keep it heavy, slow, mm. and um, away you go. Yeah, awesome. Heavy, so, slow, away you go. There's my new catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Lodge is saying, uh, hey, watching in Ohio, hyperextended my knee last week, actually, but just a minor thing, back to full range and soon full function. I think interested in strength principles in rehab. Um, yeah, that's awesome, Benjamin. You're going to get a lot out of this week. Yeah, and so obviously different, um, a bit different with a hyperextension injury um, versus tendinopathies and differences there, but I think that you know, there's still a lot you can take away from this with, with, with the principles. Um, but if you do go back to one of our shows from last year where we talked about kind of general knee injuries in a bit more detail and yep. also it could be worth having a look at the pain science ones, um, there's some really good stuff there. So yeah. Awesome. Thanks for watching, everybody. Tomorrow we are going to be continuing this and we're going to be getting into some forearm tendinopathy. I almost said tendinitis. <laughs> so golfer's elbow and tennis elbow. Uh, it's the. No, she's done a swear jar, but instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the tendonitis jar. Mate, it'd be full before you know it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you all tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.